0: week we're going through the Lord's Prayer, and this week we're in the the, the part of the Lord's Prayer where it's, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So I'm just going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer, which we've read every week. I'm starting in Matthew 6 verse, verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're at this part where it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is this is a very rich part of this passage. You can go in and you can dive into what God's kingdom is, and what does it look like on earth? And but the part that just the Holy Spirit just kept telling me to talk on was, was how do we get to God's will? Because I think that's kind of a question we all have. And, and the whole journey through this series is as we look at the fact that like the disciples, when they're walking with Jesus, they say, hey, he's got this incredible ministry. He's got this life. And he's so wise. He's got, he, he sees these miracles. He performs these miracles and there's all these things going on and there's all this power and this wisdom and this grace and mercy, yet strength and, and all it inside of Jesus and, and it seems like it all stems from this prayer life and, and the disciples they, they ask this question it's kind of like they know if we knew what Jesus knew we'd pray like Jesus prayed and, and Jesus has this, this incredible being about him and so they say teach us to pray teach us to pray and Jesus launches into this part of the Sermon on the Mount he's teaching them to pray and, he, he, and he's like he's taking them on that journey because prayer is, is this, it's a journey I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's so beautiful because it's, it's so simple, yet complex. It's like, hey, prayer, all you're doing is talking to God. But there's so many little details about prayer, and, and it's really, I mean, there's no, no secret that it's complex. You can get online and just Google prayer, and you've got millions of results that pop up. There's books that have been written, series that have been preached, there's videos on youtube there's any kind of resources all around prayer because there's all this complexity to it but yet it's simple relationship and and it's it's such a ongoing process it's not even the even the salvation story like even when we get saved it's this sense of, of before we ever really enter into relationship before we ever surrender our life to christ god is drawing us to him there's this communication. We just don't even really know what to call it, right? It's, it's the Holy Spirit drawing us in, pulling us into God. There's a, it's really interesting. If you can go study some of the revivals the second Great awakening with Charles Finney, right? But he, before Charles Finney would ever get to a city, he would send another guy. And that guy would go on and he would literally take a list of people who were labeled as the worst sinners in the city. And he would pray over that list, and he would pray that God would just torment their dreams, that God would make them miserable, that God would call on them, that he would draw them in. And he realized that the secret to these revivals was not coming in with dynamic preaching, but the secret to these revivals was the Holy Spirit talking to people, pulling them in. You can feel the draw. You can feel the communication. And it's like it's just a natural instinct of once we surrender our life to Christ, we just say, we talk back. It's a conversation, and that conversation develops and grows and and it's really interesting. I kind of want to talk through kind of three stages I think that get us to praying god 's will on earth. but the interesting thing about these stages and what I want to kind of say before I get into them is they 're not linear like it's not step one, step two, step three it's step one to step two, back to step one, maybe maybe step three, back down to step two you're all we're all going through this journey at different places at different times. And I want to make sure that we're not ever looking down on anybody that's at a different point in these stages, because it's kind of like illustration I heard another pastor use was like a, a child, right? That child is completely different from an adult, right? As we grow, we grow in strength, we grow in our mental ability to, to understand different things, but that child is right where they're supposed to be. They're just at a different stage. You don't look down on them and say, oh, well, they're not, they're not benching 500 pounds yet, Right? I don't bench 500 pounds, I promise. But there's this sense of saying, hey, we develop. So we don't want to look down on somebody because they're at a different stage. But but I think that the, the final stage is, is what Jesus is getting at in this passage where he says, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's really interesting because the first stage I want to call, is stage one, if you're taking notes, is prayer of request. And it's really cool if you think about it because it's like it's like God knows what he's doing. <laughs> And when you're new to your faith, or you're going through a prayer journey, you, you get back kind of to the stage one. Maybe you're wondering if God is even real. It feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling, and you could just ask like the simplest prayers. And it's almost praying like, "God, my will be done," you know, if you're willing, right? It's things like. Let me get that parking spot in the very front. Or let me let me get through the Chick-fil-A line in less than five minutes. Just kidding, we all know we get through the Chick-fil-A line in less than five minutes because <laughs> we're perfect, right? But no, there's this these little simple prayers that we pray and it's like God's like, okay, yeah, I'll answer it. And it, it doesn't really make sense, but but it's almost like he limits his sovereignty and, and listens to us and lets us determine kind of what happens by the way we present our requests and just and having him answer prayers and, and it happens and it's like oh, wow, God is real. And so we we say another prayer. And it's kind of like we have this new access to a power we didn't have before. And it draws us deeper and deeper into that conversation. And it eventually develops. But it's like God knows that that we kind of work our way into this prayer life. And it's really interesting. I think about it kind of to illustrate it is when we were in South Carolina, uh, our walls were bare and Warren wanted us to decorate. She wanted us to hang up pictures and all this other stuff, and it sounded like a lot of work, you know, but my wife was uh, nagging, I mean, persistent, and uh, getting me to hang up <laughs> hang up all this different stuff, and so finally I break down and say, okay, I give in, and I don't have any kind of tools. I've got like a hammer and some like little pin nails, and so I hang up a couple different pictures and trying to get them even and straight, and it's not even working. At one point, we even used thumbtacks to hang up a couple of things, it was just like, frustrating then we have this huge picture frame that's like an old picture they've taken out the glass and they've painted it with chalkboard paint so it's like this big heavy like four feet long elegant picture chalkboard right and we would write scripture and things on it but there was no thumbtacks we're not gonna hold this thing up like we needed some some weight some power and so I borrowed a drill from somebody at church and we hung up this picture frame and it was like So easy, right? I was able to drill the hole, put the screws in, put the little things that support the screws, all this stuff, and I was like, this is awesome. This was easy, so it's like, what else needs to be hung up? Curtains, okay, picture frames, okay. And it's like I had this access to a new power that made me wanna just keep going back and using it, going back and using it. That's why people love power tools, right? It's like you got this new power, and you get to keep using it over and over and over again. And it's like the stage one in this prayer life is like, hey God, I need this connection. Can you do this? Can you help me in my marriage? Can you help me with my kids? Can you help me in this area? Can you help me in my job? And it's like, hey, God, I really need a promotion at work. And you walk in the next day and your boss is like, hey, I need to talk to you. And You're like, I knew this was coming. <sighs> the word part of the Lord came to me, said you were going to give me a promotion, right? There's this holy confidence that comes because you're in this relationship with God. And I think about, like, even with Addie Lee, she's at this stage now where she's, like, coming out of her shell. And it's so much fun as a parent to see this personality kind of coming out of her. And, and then you want to do things to, like, raise her and bring this personality out. And it's like one day she, she loves Peppa Pig, and the next day she loves Paw Patrol, and you never really know what you're going to get. But, but she brings this request to us, it's like, we're walking through the store. And she sees a coloring book that's got Paw Patrol on it, and she's like, Dada Troll, dad, dad, troll. And you're like, you want it? Deal. You got it, right? It's in the buggy. We're, we're getting it, right? And, then, and it's like, she requested from me. And and I think that if you were to like sit her down and say, hey, Addie Lee, you know, your dad, how's he doing? Like, how's he how's he doing on the dad front? I think I would hope and I think she would look up at you and be like, dad, he's killing it. Like, he's a great dad. He is knocking this dad thing out of the park. He pretty much gives me whatever I want. <laughs> Right? And, and the sense is like, we all know that, that we're not, I'm not going to give her everything she wants all the time. But, but there's this sense that she's in this part of her life where I want her to learn the nature of her father. And that's a father that loves her and wants to give her things. And wants to see her grow in our relationship and our communication and i love to do these things and let her let her kind of come out of her shell and get really excited when she's scribbling all over this Paw patrol coloring book and even though the marker gets on the couch and then your couch is ruined that didn't happen yet but it's going to happen i'm sure right and so there's this sense of of loving her and seeing it happen and i know you're probably here today like okay cool story but you know i don't want to hear about all the googly things with your daughter like well i want to hear the word of god let me read to you Matthew 7, 7-11. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's that illustration right there. God is saying, hey, you as an earthly parent who's got sin and you're, you're born into this sin world, you know how to love and give your kids good gifts. How much more does your heavenly father have that same heart towards you? We talked about it in week one. We see examples all throughout scripture where God's children cry out to him and God moves on their behalf. God loves to, to move for his children. He loves to be in that relationship. He loves to hear the prayers and requests. It's biblical. So, so never look at somebody and say, all you ever do is pray to God and ask him for things. At least they're praying. you know. At least we're praying. That's what God wants. He wants us to request Him. He wants us to to ask Him for things. And a lot of times we see this happen in times of trouble. and, And we cry out to God because we want to see Him move. And I think that's why sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives. Because He knows it's going to draw us into that relationship, back into that crying out to Him. But you know, as much as I love to give Addie Lee whatever she wants, there are times when we're walking around Kroger and she wants to watch Peppa. She's asking if I pull out my phone to check a text message. She says, phone, phone, phone. She wants my phone so that she can watch a screen. And Lauren and I have come to an agreement that we don't think this is healthy for her. And so we say no. And she pitches a fit. And she wants us to give her the screen. And we say no. And eventually she quits and she helps us put things in the buggy. She helps us push it around because because we know that there comes a time where it's not all about our request being answered but it's about a relationship and that's stage 2 if stage 1 is a prayer of request stage 2 is a prayer of relationship it's not just god i need this and him answering it's it's looking at the beauty of god it's it's a freedom from the addiction to outcomes so i think a lot of times we get to a place where we pray we pray and we pray And we need God to answer that prayer so that we can feel His presence. But there comes a point where we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and God answering that prayer does not determine whether we feel His presence or not. Psalm 27, 4 says this, One thing I ask from you, Lord, the only thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life. Hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I don't know. Look at the beauty of the Lord. That's not, that's not our typical answer, right? Like that's not, that's not what we give. But But how do we get to this place where it's like, I'm happy and I'm satisfied with just the presence of God. When I think about praying God's will, my mind always goes to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? If you've grown up in the church, you've, you've watched Veggie Tales, you've read the cartoon, you've read the books, right? Like, you know this story. But there's this part in this story in Daniel 3.16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And we know he does. But before that ever happens, they say, and he will deliver us from your, from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold that you have set up. We know that God can save us. We know that he can deliver us from the furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not tarry. Even if he doesn't, we won't give in. Even if he doesn't, we know that he's still king. And it's if, we, if we die in that furnace, you know where we go? To spend eternity gazing upon his beauty. It's the greatest gift we can receive. This is I used to look down on people and they say, you know, how's it going? And they're just like, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come back. I'm like, well, that's a miserable place to be, right? Like, but then you get to this place, it's like, I, 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 didn't, want the end, I didn't want to, to die. Because there are so many things I wanted to do before I die. I mean, let's just be real. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have sex. I wanted to travel. I wanted to experience all these fun leisure things. I wanted to experience all these things in life before I die. it's because I had all of these things above the beauty of our Lord and Savior. But how do we get to that place in our prayer life that it's not the outcome that determines being in His presence? I can remember times where I was, uh, I was, actually, I'll never forget it. It seems so simple, but I'm at SLU in the dorm room, and I've been praying and, and kind of reading, and I cut on some worship music, and the song, um, I Exalt Thee, by, I think it was Jesus Culture, I know it was Kim Walker singing, came on, and it was just like, I just started to cry. Because I was like, I exalt thee. I don't need you to move, God. I don't need you to answer this request or that request. I don't need to make an A on this paper. I don't need to solve this problem. I just want your presence. I I remember getting up and locking the door because I didn't want anybody to walk in and judge me, right? I get up and close the door and I lock the door and I'm just sitting there and I'm weeping. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I worship you. You are my heavenly father. That's all that matters. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what's happening. I just want your presence. I can remember being in my car driving and a song coming on and and just having to pull my car over because I just feel God's presence overwhelm me. It's like I don't want anything else to happen. I just want to be in that moment and gaze upon the beauty of my heavenly father. We come to this place where we're freed from, from the addiction of outcomes. Like God is going to move. And he says, pray and ask and seek. And I'll answer those requests. But our relationship doesn't depend on that anymore. And he invites me out of stage one and into stage two. And he says, let's just be in the presence. Let's just be together. I think when we get into the secret of prayer, we're trying to get to, to how do we get to this place of God's will on earth. We have to say, it's not just about him answering all of my requests. But it's about being in his presence and letting that presence transform me, call me out, call me into action. But let that be the basis of prayer. And when we get to this place, and it's the next stages, I think is one of those where God tries to invite us into it. And I don't know how many people actually ever get there. I think there's probably been a few times where I've been there in my life, and I think I've stepped back away. And the truth is, if, If God invites you into stage three and you don't take that step, I don't think he loves you any less. Because stage three is not the feel-good, being in God's presence. But it's the breaking, the challenging, the convicting, the God's will stage. So stage one is a prayer of request. Stage two is a prayer of relationship. And stage three would be a prayer of relinquishment. It's a big R word, and I use the R word so you can remember it because they're all R's. You follow that request, relationship, relationship. But it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of giving up of my will and accepting God's will and not doing it reluctantly, but being excited about God's will, being on board no matter what, no matter what may happen, no matter what may come, being on board with God's will. This will change the way you interact in your marriage. This will change the way you raise your kids. This will change the way you go to work. Because it's no longer about what I want. It's about what God wants. And so often God wants you to die to sell and to sacrifice. To see his kingdom come. To see his will be done. We have to die to sell. We have such a beautiful picture of this in Luke 22, 41, When Jesus is in the garden. Jesus, if you look at his life, all of these things, all of his life, is it's like he's dedicated. He's going to the Father, interceding for people, right? He's, he's doing things for people, what other people need, what other people want. What other people, he's pointing people. His, his life is about other people. And this can be argued, dealers, kind of argue. You know, this is like the one point in his ministry where he thinks about himself. And he says, he's, he's sweating blood. He's in such anguish and turmoil knowing about what's coming. But and he says, God, and, and Father, if, if you're willing, take this cup from me. That your wrath that's going to be poured out on me, take it from me. I don't want to experience it. Yet not my will but yours be done. He gets to this place where it's not about him. And I want you to understand this is not easy, even for Jesus. Even for Jesus, this is not easy for him to do. What a beautiful thing that we serve a Savior who's been through what we have to go through. He's experienced it. And he died on the cross to defeat, to fight those battles for us. Eugene Peterson says this, be slow to pray. Praying puts us at risk of getting involved in God's condition. Be slow to pray. Praying most often doesn't get us what we want, but what God wants. Something quite at variance with what we have conceived to be our own interests. He's saying, you know what? Be careful to pray. Because as you pray, God draws you out of stage one into stage two. And he draws you out of stage two into stage three. And stage three is dying to self. Stage three is not easy. I think that if you you, honestly, if you got... Got all the the church stuff out of the way, right? And you're just sitting down with somebody. If you're sitting down with me, you don't know I'm a pastor. You don't know you don't know anything about me. And I were to ask you, like honestly, what do you want out of life? I think a lot of us would go back to that place where you know, what I mean, I want an, I want an Instagram worthy life, where I'm doing fun things and I'm seeing the world, or I'm going to water parks, or I'm experiencing different things, I'm having a, a good love, a romantic life, I have financial security, like, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be able to buy whatever I want, right? <laughs> that, that we want to be at this place where it's like, we kind of have this list of, of things that we want, that we, we feel like would make us happy. But I think that when we pray, when we pray, we, we seek God, and we contend with God, that it enlarges our vision, that we're no longer happy with those things, but we want God's will. But the problem is we have to die to those things in order to get there. Luke 9, 23-24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. It's about daily taking up our cross. I think that a lot of us, we, we genuinely believe that the hard part of the Christian life are the actions we have to take. But the truth is, it's not the actions that we take that are the difficult part. It's the prayer that's the difficult part but we've twisted it. We think that prayer is the easy part and the action is the hard part. We, we, say, we feel like the Holy Spirit's nudging us to take that conversation that we have with that person weekly at work and to actually take it in a spiritual direction. We say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me do this. And we go and we, we try to muster up the strength and the energy and the, the concentration we, to, to have that conversation and take it in a spiritual direction. But if we look at the life of Jesus, we see the exact opposite. The, we see him struggling in prayer and facing the cross with victory and courage. See I, there's a, a quote by Haddon Robinson. He says this. Where was it that Jesus' sweat was like drops of blood? It wasn't in Pallet's Hall, nor on his way to Golgotha. It, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he offered up the prayers of supplications where he cried, tears to, cried out with tears to him who was able to save him from death. If I had witnessed that, if I had witnessed that struggle, I might have misinterpreted the situation. He said, if he's so broken when he's always doing is praying, how will he ever face the real crisis? Why can't he pr- approach this ordeal calm and, with calm and confidence like his three sleeping friends? Yet... When the test came, Jesus walked to the cross with courage and his three friends fell apart and ran away. You see that picture? There's a moment where Jesus is struggling in a battle of prayer and his friends are sleeping. And then what we would say is the real battle comes up and Jesus is able to walk with calm confidence to the cross To defeat death while his friends turn their back on him because they can't handle what we would call the real problem. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives, but I know that we all got things that we're praying. We want to see God move, but the truth is we have to wrestle with God in prayer. When we wrestle with God in prayer, not because we want to change his mind and make him do something for us, but we wrestle with God in prayer because we have to wrestle ourselves to relinquish our will to him. I have a a real-life experience where I got to watch this happen. Uh, One of my best friends through college, Logan, he's now a pastor uh, up north somewhere. He went to seminary, and he's an incredibly smart, incredibly great pastor. I love keeping up with him, watching his ministry grow and what he's doing. But when we met at Southern Westland University, he was a marine biologist. That's what he was going to study. He loved sharks, that's what his goal was. He, was. he was, I mean, a genius. He's a genius. He had all this wisdom, all this knowledge about the ocean and fish and science and was making straight A's and didn't have to do any study, and like incredibly smart. And this was gonna be his path. He was gonna go study sharks. That's what his goal was. And we're in the dorm room, and he starts acting kind of weird. We're like, something's going on with Logan. We don't really know what's going on with him, but something's going on. He would, like, wake up in the middle of the night and disappear. I'm like, where did he go? What's going on with Logan? This is kind of strange. He would, uh, he would quit eating, right? And we would later find out he was fasting, but it would seem like we just we thought he maybe he was sick. We couldn't figure out what was going on. One night I woke up, and he's literally, like, sitting in the bottom of the shower, weeping with the water running over him. And I'm just like, dude, are you okay? Like, he he was losing his mind. That's what it felt like on the outside. But what we didn't realize is he was wrestling with God in prayer. Because God was saying, I don't want you to study sharks. I want you to study me. I don't want you to go out and and work with these fish. I want you to go out and, and work with these people. God was calling him out of this whole thing he wanted to do his whole life into ministry. And there's people's lives who are changing today because he wrestled with God in prayer and he was able to listen to God, surrender his will, and watch God move in his life. Listen, it's not easy the things we have to give up. It's not easy following Christ and and making different sacrifices and facing the the targets of the devil. Like, honestly, it's spiritual warfare. It's not easy. This prayer of relinquishment, of surrender, it's a battle. And it's hard And it's painful. But the truth is, if you've ever tasted the fruit that comes from this stage stage of prayer, you know that it's worth it. You know that it's worth it to be in the will of God, to be past prayer of request, to be past of just the prayer of relationship, and into this prayer of relinquishment. I think that, that God's got this, this awakening that's going to happen. We already see this renewal in the church. I wouldn't say that we have revival. There's more churches that close than are planted, but there's a renewal with church planting in our, in our country where the, every Christian denomination is dying out. There's no winning battle. In our, in our country, we are now the mission field. If you look at where Christianity is growing in the world, the U.S. Is, has become the mission field. I think God is going to use his church. I don't, I don't understand it. It's like he, he somehow limits his sovereignty to the power of his church. And it's a bad deal for God. Like, like, I don't know why he does that, but he does that. And the way that the church overcomes evil, the way the church impacts our community, the way that we make a difference here in Covington, the way that we make a difference at work and in our family, is because we get to the place where we are praying, we're we're surrendering our life walking in God's will it's not easy I'm not even saying that I do it all the time but I'm saying that that's the challenge if we're looking at God saying teach us to pray by all means pray request it's, in, it's right after this in Matthew 7 by all means find time to worship and fall on your face and be amazed by his glory but let's challenge ourselves to let go of our own will and follow Christ die to self pick up our cross and follow Christ let's pray Lord it's so challenging to to even come up with the words to pray let it not be about a, a sounding gong Lord your will be done not ours your kingdom come. The power that we see in revivals in our history, the power we see when you heal people and perform miracles, that power that we read about in Scripture, it's not gone, it's not dead. Bring it now, Lord, in our time. Let it be your power that comes through your will. As it is in heaven, let it be like that on earth. And if we're not to the place where we're ready to surrender it all, if we're not to the place where we're ready to say, not my will, but yours, Lord, let us be in a place where we can say, I'm ready to get there. Teach us. Draw us into that moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we're dismissed.